Live from the slightly twisted deck bar, it's the Poojie Podcast with Justin Lameen. The Poojie Podcast is proudly sponsored by Cimarron Golf Club, located in Jacksonville, Florida, off County Road 210, just west of St. John's Parkway. What is going on, everybody? It is Monday, August 24th, and we are about halfway through the third quarter of this year, and we need this year to hurry up quickly. I know a lot of people echo that sentiment. We have two hurricanes currently in the Gulf of Mexico heading towards land, and that's just the most 2020 thing of all time uh, until September rolls around, of course, which I'm sure more extreme stuff will happen. Uh, We cross our fingers that there won't be anything wild, but that's what's expected. But anyways, talking about quarters, we're here to talk about football. A big weekend this past weekend, so stick around for Puji Parlay, uh, presented by Shores Club Mandarin. Going to update you on what happened this past weekend in the world of sports, two NASCAR races, one crazy golf tournament. But for right now, college football just released their AP Top 25 poll today. And again, banking off of what I said last week, it's just a nice feeling of hope, even though the the season is hanging on by a thread. Who knows what's going to happen with this upcoming season? Right now, there's been four conferences that have opted out of this season and six conferences that are holding strong to their sentiment that they will be playing. Uh, We will see if that stays true. Nonetheless, the AP Top 25 has been released. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'll be perfectly upfront with you. I'm not 100% knowledgeable about every single team across the board. Obviously, as you can see behind me, I'm a UCF fan, and I'm extremely knowledgeable about UCF and the American Conference, as well as the conferences here in the Southeast region with the ACC and the SEC. Uh, So nothing too interesting about the AP poll uh, this go around. Uh, It shouldn't make a difference whether conferences are playing or not, because we all know the AP poll is founded on the belief that last season's success do not determine next season's results. Uh, The AP poll is all about minimal last year's success and maximum off-season moves. And uh, if if you want to take a look at it, UNC finished at seven and six last year. That is the staple of the AP poll's uh, ideology, I guess. Seven and six, but they're ranked 18th in the country. Uh, you know, you have Oklahoma State ranked there. Uh, they finished eight and five last year. USC eight and five last year. Texas A&M and Texas obviously getting that big Texas market bias. But ultimately, the UNC ranking is what does it for me. That just shows further that the AP poll is more so for TV rankings at the beginning of the season, more so than anything else. Uh, these recruiting classes are weighed heavily. The offseason coaches' moves are weighed heavily. What I want to get into today is the ranking of the University of Central Florida football team. And before you roll your eyes and say, here goes Justin on another UCF football rant, as you can see behind me, UCF ranked 21st in the country ahead of Utah, who is ranked 22nd, Utah, the number two Pac-12 team in the AP Top 25. So for anyone out there that wants to say that the American has not garnered any sort of respect over the last three seasons, this poll behind me should prove otherwise. we got an ad coming in now, of course. You know, Google Chromebook has to do their thing on my YouTube. But back to what I was talking about. We have UCF ranked ahead of Utah. Cincinnati ranked one spot ahead of UCF. And both those American Conference teams had three losses. The last time a group of five team was ranked in the preseason top 25 AP poll with three losses the previous season, never, zero times. Now it's happened twice. And before you go and say, oh, well, Puji, Oh, they ranked them based on the teams that are only playing this year. This isn't accurate. No, they were told, the AP voters were told to vote based on if every team was playing this year. And I respect that. I think that's how it should be done to get an accurate poll. 
if you were to take out those teams that aren't playing this year as as far as their conferences are concerned, UCF would move up seven spots from 21, so would Cincinnati. But it's funny, back in 2018, coming off of UCF's miraculous 13-0 run where they beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl, notice how I didn't say national championship run, don't want to upset any of my followers out there, they were ranked 21st in the nation after that season. So UCF goes from being undefeated, ranked 21st in the AP poll, to being ranked 21st in the AP poll after a three-loss season. Following the 2018 season, where UCF capped off a 25-game win streak, losing only by eight to a Joe Burrow-led LSU team in the Fiesta Bowl, UCF was ranked 17th in the nation in the AP poll. So you're telling me that a UCF team with three losses in, 28, in 2019 is now ranked 21st in 2020. To me, that's something to celebrate. That shows me that the American Conference is moving up. That, along with the fact that there are two American Conference teams ranked ahead of the second Pac-12 team, that says a lot. Do I think the American Conference is ever going to get as much respect as the SEC and as the Big 12, Big 10? I don't think so. But it's right up there with the Pac-12, and it's creeping in on the ACC. And if these rankings don't say that, I don't know what will. One of the UCF haters, a longtime UCF hater, Brett McMurphy, uh, he's never typically voted UCF into the top 25, had UCF ranked in the top 25, among other voters that have done the same thing over the years. So to see UCF ranked in the top 25 with three losses, that's a win in my book to start off the year in a season where we might not have any games to win to begin with. This AP poll preseason top 25 is something for UCF fans to get excited about. So that's all I got to talk about. I'm off my soapbox. You may be saying, Justin, oh, you're wearing that UCF funky Buddha shirt. You must be drinking over there. No, I'm purely stating facts. A lot of my friends know I don't enter debates that I know I can't win because I debate based on facts, not opinions. Opinion-based debates are cyclical. I only do facts, and those were straight facts. So stick around for this interview, uh, catching up on some midseason baseball with Drew McDonald and Scott Kornberg, brought to you by String Sports Brewery. Enjoy the rest of this episode. Thanks. Yes, indeed. Thank you to Strings Sports Brewery for uh, all their support. Um, they, they always do a great job um, of, of helping me in the podcast and also over there at the uh, brewery there, North Jacks, downtown on Main Street. They do a great job there. So I'm excited for this, uh, this podcast episode here. We are uh, doing a baseball midseason update. I know we did a back-to-baseball episode a few weeks ago, and baseball is a quick-moving sport when it comes to how many games get played. So we're already pretty much halfway through this shortened 60 game season. So I do have uh, Drew McDonald and Scott Kornberg back here to join me. Drew and Scott, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you, Justin, for having us on. Of course. So uh, I do want to get started uh, just just quickly. Um, very open-ended question. I guess, Drew, we'll start with you. Um, what have been your thoughts so far this season? Just a shortened season? Have you seen any drop-off anywhere? What have your thoughts been? It's very stressful, Justin. I mean, it's a lot of COVID outbreaks. It's putting injured. Uh, as a Braves fan, I am happy for now. That's the key word for now. Um, we've seen guys um, get injured like Steven Strasburg and others, but it's definitely a different year than others. You know, it's 60 games. It's a big sprint pace, so it, it's – Take by the grain of salt, but I think it's an experimental year. It's not traditional, but just baseball in the summer is good enough for me, I guess. Gotcha. And, Scott, same question for you. Your thoughts so far on, uh, on your team, uh, just potentially the whole, the whole uh, you know, league as a whole, what's been going on? What are your thoughts? Uh, it's nice to watch baseball again, I'll tell you that. But 
I, I think from a quality perspective, maybe not as good as a normal season because we've seen a lot of injuries and I think a lot of teams are really pitching needy, but I think I always try to look at things positively and there's just so much good young talent in baseball right now. And we're really in a lucky age to be able to watch guys like Fernando Tatis and Mookie Betts. And this doesn't happen every decade. So to be able to not lose a year of, of watching those guys and Mike Trout and everyone else, we're really fortunate. And, and Scott, while I have you here, you just mentioned Tatis um, about a week ago, some controversy. Um, it was my let's talk about it for last week's episode, but I do want to get your opinion on the 3-0 swing that led to the first of four straight grand slams for the Padres. What are, what are your thoughts on the unwritten rules of baseball and Tatis swinging there on that 3-0 count? Uh, no problem with him swinging at all. I think the unwritten rules are a little bit outdated in my opinion. and um, Fernando Tatis, I, I, don't, I don't get why you're asking people to to stop playing if they're winning because I think earlier in the week the Padres were losing by a similar margin and came all the way back to, to tie the game, ended up losing. But um, he just plays the game with so much joy. And maybe instead of getting angry at him for hitting a home run, shouldn't the anger from uh, from the opposition be at a pitcher for grooving a pitch right down the middle? I, I just don't see the problem with it at all. I think it's silly, and I think the great thing we've seen, and, and maybe Drew, you probably have seen the same thing in talking to people around the game, is that people have recognized that um, what Fernando Tatis did was nothing wrong at all. Yeah, he had a lot of support in his corner, and for those that don't know, I'm sure uh, you've been living under a rock. If you don't know, four straight grand slams by the Padres, five in the last six games up till last night. They do play again. Uh, tomorrow so we'll see what happens but four consecutive against the Rangers and all five were from five different players which was pretty impressive and Drew I know you mentioned the COVID outbreaks you know we saw the Marlins have some we've seen the Cardinals we currently see the Subway Series being postponed which I know Scott might be a little upset about being a New York Mets fan but Drew in your in your stance uh, what it, what do you thought so far about how the MLB's handled these COVID outbreaks and and what it's done for this season? I think um, for different teams, they've had their own kind of case, uh, I guess, many crises. I know with the Braves, they'll have probably like uh, two guys that there was, they're in New York. And I think that uh, Travis Darnode, I think Tyler Flowers had symptoms. They had to send the backup catchers to New York. So um, I think in the bigger scale for like the Marlins, that was tough. I mean, from what I read, it seems like they knew they had the cases and they chose to play the next day. Um, so I think it's, it's the choice to let to have the players vote on they should play, I wish they're kind of governed that by the LB board, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit more, uh, like you said, governance from above. If you're going to attempt to play, you would think that the league itself needs to have more of an iron fist when it comes to these types of rulings and not necessarily on a per-team basis. You can't put the rest of the league at risk. And at this point, if they weren't going to stop the league after the Marlins outbreak or the Cardinals outbreak, it doesn't seem likely that they stop the season at all, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. I don't think I'd like to see the season get played. My Dodgers only have eight losses so far, 30 games into it. So uh, I'm, I'm liking where they sit right now, four games ahead of the Padres. But Scott, for you behind me, we do have the Marlins versus the Nationals. Marlins, one of the more surprising teams so far. But a few nights ago, uh, Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, uh, former pitcher Sixto Sanchez made his debut for the Marlins, uh, did you get to see any of that game? What are your thoughts on Sixto and maybe what he brings to the Marlins 
and the future of the league as far as young pitchers. Well, he's a great addition for the Marlins because they've had just their entire pitching staff destroyed from their original COVID-19 outbreak. And not only is he a, you know, a potential replacement for a game or two, but he's a guy you could probably pencil in health pending for the rest of the season because he's just so talented. And I think his breaking ball and his changeup improved immensely from where it was in Jacksonville. And his fastball hit 100-plus miles per hour 11 times. And he's just a really, really talented guy. And one of eight now former Jumbo Shrimp to make their major league debut this year, Nick Neider, Alex Messia, Monte Harrison, Eddie Alvarez, George Guzman, Daniel Castano, Lewin Diaz, and it's a pretty solid listing right there. But I think by far, Sixto Sanchez has the highest pedigree and, and absolutely the highest ceiling because he's a guy who could be an, an ace. And for the Marlins, they're fighting for a playoff spot. He's maybe a guy who can maybe push them into the back end of the playoffs. And you mentioned all those Jumbo Shrimp guys. Uh, I'm currently wearing the 2018 Miami Vice Night jersey. As you can see, uh, great stuff we do on the promo side at the Jumbo Shrimp. Love this jersey a lot. And I know the Marlins were ranked as one of the top five farm systems heading into this season, uh, which just says a lot about what Derek Jeter has been able to do in this quick turnaround over the last two seasons since he's really been involved. And, you know, he brings a mentality to the game of hard work and, and great ethics. Uh, so I'm sure that the Marlins fans have to be happy. Uh, obviously, they weren't a few years ago when they were cleaning house with Yelich being gone and, uh, you know, you had Stanton being gone and among others. But uh, I think fans have to be happy now. A lot of those up and coming players from the Jumbo Shrimp we got to see here in Jacksonville. Drew, for you, uh, I need to ask uh, back to COVID for just briefly one second. Do you think the recent outbreaks in COVID tarnish this season at all or will tarnish whoever becomes the ultimate World Series champion? Well, this is a year like no other. It's 60-game season, so it's kind of just like whatever happens, happens, you know. Uh, so I don't think it targets it, but it's kind of just like a unique, like, uh, aster asterisk, uh, I guess, this season. You know, it's it's 60 games. Uh, it's it's nothing to take too seriously. Yeah, I mean, you talk about asterisks. It's this whole season, this whole year has an asterisk by it. Like, everyone's always going to remember 2020, whether it's baseball, hockey, basketball, you know, hockey finishing up at this time of year is just unbelievable. It would typically be getting started in the preseason. And even in the golf world, the masters is going to be played in November, which typically played back in uh, April. So the whole, the whole season, the whole year has asterisks by it. So I agree with what you're saying. It's a 60 game sprint and whatever happens, happens. I think it'll be good to look back and, and say they found a way to get it done. They found a way to play baseball. Scott, for you, I know you're a Mets fan, so I don't want to ask you about teams that underperform. So for you, I want to ask you, what has a team that's overperformed so far this season been? Well, I think there's a there's a long way to go still, even with the condensed season for the the Mets, the Nationals, the Phillies, the Reds, Milwaukee teams like that. But uh, how about the the Slam Diego Padres? I mean, they're in a a huge winning streak right now, seven in a row. They've got some of the most exciting players in baseball. And they're winning in ways that are sustainable. I, I know people always disparage the home run, but there's no defense for a home run. And Fernando Tatis is so good, but they've got a lot of really interesting pieces on that roster, both in their lineup and, and really in their pitching staff, like a Dindleson Lament, who people didn't really know about coming into the year. And Zach Davies had a great start, eight innings last week. So 
Uh, and they got a little bit to work out in their bullpen with some pieces, but if there's a piece of your team that, you know, you maybe don't want to have figured out right away, it's probably that. And the only problem with San Diego is they just play in the wrong division. The Dodgers are the best team in baseball, and it's really not close. They have the best run differential by more than or nearly double the next best team. But I, I got to go San Diego. It's just been so fun to watch. I, I find myself, you know, picking them on MLB TV nearly every night because they've got so much young talent and they, they play a really exciting style of baseball and they're winning now. And uh, that's a big surprise. I think people thought they were maybe still a year away. I uh, just based on my bias of being a Dodgers fan, I'm going to have to just go with the Orioles as my surprise team right now, 14 and 14, uh, 28 games in, and it didn't seem like they even won 14 games all of last season. Uh, so it's been fun to watch them get to the 14 win mark and they're sitting at 500 technically almost halfway through this season, uh, which not too many people can remember the last time that happened. Probably Chris Davis back in 2014 or 15 uh, when the Orioles were, were back to relevancy uh, back then. And Drew, let's flip the script with you. What's been maybe the team that has underperformed the most, maybe the team that you're, you're still wanting more out of. How about the classic first to worst Washington nationals, like behind you, Justin, I think that, the injuries have kind of uh, killed on Mojo, but just they're supposed to be the top dogs in the division to compete with the Braves and the Phillies. The Kyers went down a pit to bomb the NLE. So that's my pick for the bus this year. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the Nationals one team, and I know they just, I'm pretty sure Strasburg is out for the season is what I just heard recently. So that definitely does not help. Uh, they seem to lost their bats too. And, and that doesn't help uh, in a league that is dominated by offense right now. Uh, so that's not good. And, and I look at a team like the Houston Astros. I know there was a lot of chatter about them heading into this season, and they got lucky not necessarily having to play in front of fans. Uh, we've seen certain teams and players uh, take shots at them. Recently, Joe Kelly was one of them with the Dodgers a few weeks ago, kind of started uh, a bigger movement against the Astros. But they're 15 and 13 right now, which a winning record you would expect from a team like the Astros. But you would also expect them to maybe be a little bit more above 500 than that. That's a team that I'm currently right now uh, looking at saying, are they going to turn it on or are they just going to linger around the 500 mark the rest of the season? But last question for both of you, Scott, we'll go back to you. Uh, what's your what's your prediction right now for the World Series, the NLAL? What's what's your prediction? And I think this is such a, an interesting question, Justin, because I read this morning that I think there's only four teams that are more than three or four games outside of playoff spot right now. So conceivably – there's 26 teams right now that, that say, hey, we've got a chance at the midway point of the season. But, I mean, prediction, that you, you got to go with the strongest team. That's the Dodgers by far, at least in my opinion. They, they don't just beat you. They, they just normally annihilate teams. And they have the best record in baseball by far. They have the best run differential by far. They've got the best outfield in baseball. They've got uh, some, some guys who are MVP Cy Young candidates who um, – really haven't even gotten it going yet, like Cody Bellinger and Walker Bueller. Uh, i got to go with the Dodgers as, as my pick to win it all. And to make it a little tougher on you, I, I know you're taking the Dodgers. Who do you have them beating in the NLCS? Ooh, in the NLCS. Let's go with the San Diego Padres. Dodgers, Padres. No one's going to want to play San Diego, and I think I got a good feeling that they can they can make it that far. 
I, I had a feeling you were going to say that, and that scares me because I've seen all too often the Dodgers lose in the playoffs because of the long ball, and I could see that happening again against the Padres with that lineup that they have. Drew, let's go over to you on the AL, AL side of it. Uh, what, what do you think from the AL side, and then even if you want to give your shameless Braves plug on the NL side, I'll be happy to let you do that too. First, uh, it's not shameless, but we'll go ahead. Uh, so we're going to have it uh, has versus have-nots here. Haves and Dodgers have-nots in the Tampa Bay Rays. We saw the first team in 30 years to sweep the Yankees and Red Sox on our road trip. This team is full of dudes. Blake Snell, Brandon Lau, Willie Adamas. I think that this small potatoes team, the Rays against the Dodgers, would be a nice little uh, battle for the title. And my shame, my shameless uh, Braves plug here is that they'll probably get to the NLCS. They are terrible in the playoffs. So I'm enjoying it while it lasts right now. I could, hey, that's not too shameless. I could see that happening. The Braves are a good enough team to where I could see them getting to the NLCS too. And it seems like for some reason the Dodgers always end up playing the Braves in the playoffs. I don't know. That might just be me, but that always seems to happen. Um, but thanks for being here, guys. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to, to get to the second half of the baseball season. Uh, it's kind of a unique situation to where typically 30 games in, I still wouldn't necessarily be watching too closely, but now I am. And it's going to be exciting to see what happens moving forward with more COVID outbreaks, potentially different injuries that come up due to lack of preparation, maybe. Uh, and just going to see what happens if some of these uh, hot teams can stay hot or if someone can somehow turn it on and make their way into the playoffs. Like Scott said, a lot of teams still alive. So, again, guys, thanks for being here. We'll have to keep in touch. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate Justin. it. Alrighty, again, thank you to Strings Sports Brewery for bringing you that interview. They do a great job up there. May have to check them out this coming Thursday for $5 Burger Day and uh, watch some of this NBA action, watch some of the NHL action after work. Who knows? Might have to find my way over there. Uh, but it's time for Poogee Parlay presented by Shores Pub Mandarin. Didn't have the hottest weekend this past weekend when it came to golf. The script was flipped when it came to NASCAR. Had a pretty solid weekend in the world of NASCAR. But we'll kick it off with golf. Uh, Dustin Johnson winning the Northern Trust Open up at TPC Boston, a venue that he has uh, made the cut nine out of nine times, four top tens in his history there. And it was just a matter of time before he won the tournament. And he did it at the right time in the middle of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Shot 30 under par for the tournament. For those doing math at home, that's over minus seven per day for the tournament. So very impressive run. Uh, I think it was the second lowest four-day tournament on record PGA Tour history. I know Justin Thomas also had a 27-under uh, uh, tournament back a few years ago, but Dustin Johnson blew that out of the water, not even close after day two, five strokes leading going into uh, Sunday's round. He just pulled away and dominated. So We'll see if he can keep it up. This is the same Dustin Johnson that no more than a month ago we saw him withdraw after shooting 12 over par in one tournament and an 80 on another tournament and a four putt at Memorial. So we've seen ups and downs from him, but that's the game of golf. Anyone that plays golf understands uh, what that means. You have your good days and your bad days, and he had a miraculous day four days in a row. So congrats to him. Our picks did not hit. I had Doc Redman in the top 20, did not hit, did not make the cut. Paul Casey to win and Patrick Reed to win. Both of them made the cut, but it was a light slate for me in the world of golf. Looking forward to the upcoming tournament this weekend, the top 70 in the FedEx Cup. 
Uh, those picks will be coming out on Wednesday, so be looking out for that. In the world of NASCAR, two races this past weekend at the Monster Mile in Dover. Uh, interesting, Martin Truex breaks his streak of finishing in third and finishes in second on both days. Cashed in there for the top threes for Martin Truex, got him at even money to finish top three. That was nice of, uh, of the sports book to give me that. Almost guarantee him to place in the top three at Dover. We had Kevin Harvick win on Sunday, which was nice. I still owe my buddy Floppy Tom a Bush uh, shotgun, so he'll be getting that here soon. Uh, and then on Saturday, Denny Hamlin came from behind and passed Martin Truex Jr. with a few laps left to win. And Kyle Busch continues his awful, awful season. Uh, very sad to see what's been going on with him. It seems like ever since I started supporting Bush Beer, Kyle Busch cannot seem to get his act together. So maybe I have something to do with this. In the world of NHL hockey, uh, round one finished up this past weekend. We are on to round two. Uh, last first game of round two begins tonight with the Flyers and the Islanders. Uh, we saw the Golden Knights blank the Canucks 5-0 last night. Bruins 3-2 over the Lightning. And uh, the, the other game, Dallas beat the, don't tell me, don't tell me, Avalanche. Avalanche were the hot team going into it. Dallas beat the Avalanche. Uh, we'll see if uh, Avalan Avalanche can bounce back there. Who knows? Uh, but we do have NBA going on as well. The Eastern Conference is almost tied up. All we need is for Miami to win one more, and they will sweep that series and uh, against the Pacers. And then Milwaukee is one win away from winning in Game 5 against the Magic. But on the West Coast or Western Conference uh, in the NBA bracket, a little bit tighter. The Houston OKC is currently 2-1 in favor of Houston, as well as Dallas Los Angeles Clippers currently sitting at 2-2 in that series. The other series aren't as close, uh, but never count the Trailblazers out. Uh, Damian Lillard can kick it into another gear. Maybe too much firepower on the Lakers to overcome, though. I'm excited to get the NBA panel back here uh, for next Monday to kind of go into round two of the NBA playoffs and recap round one. Uh, the NBA panel, I know, is excited to come back and join us, as well as the NHL panel. Like I just mentioned, uh, the NHL playoffs, NHL panel will join us this coming Thursday, so be on the lookout for that. So uh, for now, take care. Be on the lookout for more picks coming up this weekend in the world of NASCAR and golf. Follow Puji Podcast on Instagram for all the picks every single weekend, all the events, all the picks, and Puji Parlay on Twitter for specialty picks. Uh, maybe if I'm feeling lucky with basketball or hockey, I'll throw some picks out there. So Poogee Parlay on Twitter, Poogee Podcast on Instagram. For now, enjoy the rest of your Monday night, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will see you on Thursday. Thanks. Be sure to follow our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other podcast streaming services, as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel to check out unique video elements for each interview.